This is for the free thinkers, the curious beings that swim upstream, who see possibilities, not problems, that learn from the past, live by the present, and create the future. This is the I Love Ugly Audio Show. Welcome to the I Love Ugly Audio Show. I'm Valentin Nozic, creative director and founder of I Love Ugly. On this episode, we sit down with New Zealand's youngest MP in Parliament, the Green politician, Chloe Swarbrick. We discuss why the education system failed her at high school, her previous struggles and successes as a business owner, and why she's not letting age hold her back from taking on the big guns in New Zealand politics. Enjoy. Chloe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, no worries. So just to kick it off, you started your own fashion label. You showcased it at New Zealand Fashion Week. You started multiple businesses. You ran for mayor and became New Zealand's youngest MP since 1975. And now you've launched your own podcast, I believe. <laughs> True. <coughs> and yeah. you're an MP, f- yeah, yeah. MP, MP for Greens Party. Yeah. You're only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. You're an absolute beast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank how you. Did, uh, how do you do it all? How did, how did this the start? the best thing I've been described yeah. as. Um, yeah, uh, how did it all start? So um, first business that we started, um, I was 17 turning 18 with my partner at the time, so mm-hmm. a really good friend of mine, Alex. Uh, and basically there was actually a lot of different things happening at that period in time. It was about 2012 mm-hmm. um, and New Zealand was living in Auckland, uh, actually going to University of Auckland and um, every man at the University of Auckland was wearing Zespies. So just oh, wow. to yeah, get yeah, yourself yeah, in that yeah, nice. mind and provide you with some context. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, yeah, we were basically, uh, Alex was uh, is a six foot three dude mm-hmm. uh, and we were going around and I was like helping, he was from um, Taranaki, so yeah. he was, you know, keen to get into some <laughs> yeah. um, new gears and um, because <clears throat> he was quite tall, he just couldn't find anything that quite fit him or that he was really into. Um, so we were just like two young kids. I'd saved up quite a bit of money from working in retail. My first job was selling phones um, and phone plans, so I'd saved up quite a bit of money there. And for some reason or another, um, as you do when you're 18 and precocious as all hell, we were like, um, this thing doesn't exist that we want, so let's try mm. and create it. Mm-hmm. And it was just, we had all of these different friends, um, my two friends, Vincent and Bryson, uh, who I'd known from intermediate school, who were both incredible artists, but trying to figure out whether they wanted to pursue art at uni mm-hmm. or go into something that's quote-unquote more practical yeah. so that they could you know, earn a living per their parents' expectations. And we just saw it as this opportunity to create a platform and try new things and develop a space particularly for all of our friends to flourish in their talents Mm -hmm. so that was the thing with lucid uh, and then off the back of that we then started getting involved in oh the fashion week thing is actually really funny um so we did show during fashion week Mm -hmm. we didn't show at fashion week because it was ten thousand dollars to be involved yeah i was gonna ask so we were like yeah so we were like Actually, while all these fancy people are in town, um, let's just, we went to Langsford Gallery and somehow managed to convince them to let us um, hire the space for a discounted rate as two young kids. Uh, You know, as you do, you just have so many conversations. Um, We got it for a few hundred bucks, um, which was mean, yeah, and uh, convinced, you know, uh, some soda and some beer companies to come on board and give us that sponsorship. Uh, And then we basically just did a fashion show pop-up in an Mm -hmm. art gallery, um, which was one of the 
coolest things that mm. I'd done by that point in my mm. life. Sounds and, dope. you know, we invited all these fancy people who were in yeah. town for it. So we kind of made it look like it was kind of fashion <laughs> yeah. week as you do. You know, yeah. you create your opportunities there. Yeah. Uh, and then we got involved in What's Good, which was about creating a space in Auckland, which was a growing city uh, for particularly young local creatives and people who were setting up brands or setting up their practice and art to showcase their stuff and to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, that then turned into pop-up shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then off the back of pop-up shops, we ended up uh, running a week-long thing at St. Kevin's Arcade mm-hmm. in K Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, let's take this to the next level and do a permanent space mm-hmm. uh, that then morphed into Ollie um, mm-hmm. with our friend Brian, who came on from All Press. <clears throat> He's Brian Anderson, rapper, mm-hmm. shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, Ollie was um, this thing where we had to figure out how we were going to pay the bills. So it, the idea morphed from being a um, art gallery into an art gallery coffee shop into mm-hmm. an art gallery coffee shop and donut shop. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And we thought that would be the holy unity to like bring folks in who yeah. didn't give a shit about art yeah. but could you know care about coffee or yeah. be interested in donuts yeah. and then engage in this space yeah. um, and try and build a community there. So that was kind of the chronology of it. And the mayoralty thing just came out, I guess, of all of those different things and realizing that uh, you know, all of this stuff is created from, you know, the decisions that somewhere mm-hmm. along the line have been made. Mm-hmm. You know, having had the experience of trying to start up these businesses and particularly get into like retail or hospo spaces and recognizing uh, different regulations that were in place or whether there were grants or not grants mm-hmm. and how difficult or um, whether opportunities are mm-hmm. um, or where the opportunities aren't mm-hmm. just made me realize more and more that it actually matters what happens in the mm-hmm. politics of mm-hmm. all of it. Uh, so, yeah, I was also actually working at Nick of the Woods, which is um, just on K Road as well at the time, uh, as well as BFM, which is um, number one alternative radio station in yeah. Auckland. Wow. And King's Arms was closing down yeah. um, because of poor planning laws. All these cheap apartment mm-hmm. blocks were going up next to it. Yeah, my friend's grandmother actually used to own that. Yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah. And, you know, all these sound complaints yeah. and... All of a sudden, this Which is institution. Which exactly what's happened at Eden Park yeah, as well. Yeah, but this yeah. institution that had existed for like, you know, four decades mm-hmm. for young local musicians to get a foot in the door, start building yeah. their base, um, was closing down because someone had made a really lame decision mm-hmm. about how things were going to grow yeah. um, or not grow. And yeah. it had impeded that growth. So, um, yeah, I was just like, at the end of the day, what's the point of living in this city if the people who are making the decisions don't care about the culture? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was basically the impetus for running for the mayoralty. And then I guess I just um, made enough noise and was annoying enough that I somehow yeah, ended yeah, up in yeah. parliament, you know. Yeah. So it sounds like <laughs> sounds like a lot of your a lot of your opportunities and a lot of uh, businesses which, which you started were, were um, eventuated from seeing a lack of what mm. you wanted. It was a and, frustration. Yeah, yeah, frustration. And also there's a lot of problems which then present, presented a lot of solutions and you mm. were just like, you know, you, know you, you had the art gallery and you thought, you know, bring in the coffee element yeah. and then bring in the donut element to try bring in a different mixed demographic. Mm. How did those, just going back to the businesses because yeah. it's something that I'm personally very passionate about and also our audience as well. Yeah. How did... Like, how did they do? Did they succeed? Did they fail? Like, and from, from your point of view, obviously, I know your your growth mindset. So yeah. every failure is actually a An success. An opportunity, yeah, totally. Yeah, but how did they actually so do? So all of them, um, we didn't have business plans <laughs> before yeah. we went into them, which is yeah. probably you know the first mistake, particularly yeah. when you're going into a space. Well, we had loose business plans with some of them, but <clears throat> it was largely that our KPIs or our key performance indicators were about. 
um, bringing people together mm -hmm. and trying to create new opportunities and upskill people and mm -hmm. create something that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. It was never necessarily about the profit, mm -hmm. which meant that um, one of the company, there was only really one company that we had that was profitable mm -hmm. and paid us decently, yeah. and that was Tips. Yeah. And that was an idea that originally started as we're going to do an artist consultancy and try mm -hmm. and connect artists with different projects. but. Mm -hmm you know, just recognizing where opportunities are, it basically turned into copywriting and website creation and all sorts of um, consulting on social media and otherwise. Uh, and that allowed us to uh, supplement our more creative pursuits while we could find out how to make them sustainable. Yeah. So there were definitely um, financial failures and definitely money lost at points in time, but I take all of that as um, massive learning opportunities. And I think that you know, reflecting on all of it, it was far more value for money than a BCom ever could be. Hundred <laughs> percent. I try to tell that to people all the time, but yeah, yeah. But yeah you know, if you want to um, get a you know twenty five k student loan on yeah, a yeah. BCom, you know, why not? You know, experiment or like yeah. just try something. You know, especially if you've got um, low overheads um, with something that you can start in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. You know, because you guys started with t-shirts and yeah, hats I, pr and stuff. I pretty much started in my bedroom. Yeah, and did that for about eighteen months before I took the leap. But mm. yeah, that's yeah. How, you, how you start. And the thing as well is that if you're not taking those risks and taking those leaps, mm -hmm. of course, you know, you can't fail. But you're never setting yourself up to succeed either. Yeah, yeah, oh, hundred percent. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a true believer that no matter you know if you're pursuing something, there's always going to come a point in what you know, in your journey mm. where you're going to have to take a leap, which is risky, mm -hmm. which gives you a gut check, which makes you nervous, gives mm -hmm. you sleepless nights. But I think it's absolutely essential in order to grow to that next level. I think that risk is a part of human, like the human experience, 100%. or it should be. Well, because how we otherwise grow we play and evolve it safe. as human beings. Totally. Yeah. And that's the um, funny thing to me, just contrasting my experience in the business realm um, with, you know, what happens in Parliament now. Mm -hmm. Parliament is one of the most risk adverse environments that I've ever been in. Yeah. And I think that there's the wrong incentive structure for the folks who are in there, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, people aren't taking the leap to uh, innovate or try new things because it's scary and you have to explain that. Yeah. And we operate in a soundbite media environment. Mm -hmm. So people don't want to have to do things that seem a little bit more complicated mm -hmm. or different yeah uh, because when everybody's playing it safe it's easy to play it safe oh, of course yeah. yeah but the thing is is i don't care about being in politics so yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, been yeah, a pretty good definitely. place <laughs> but do you think the fact that you don't care about politics is what is what's going to make you successful in it um i think because it's refreshing to actually have someone that goes against the grain that mm. actually voices their point of view that doesn't doesn't just bend over because the rules have been like that mm. for X amount of times. Mm. You're just mm. basically playing your own game. Well, this is what excites me about like being in Aotearoa, New Zealand, right? Like you would have experienced it in business, and you experience it in so many different fields. Uh, but it's particularly evident in politics. And one of the major privileges I have with my job is traveling all around the country mm -hmm. and speaking to different pockets of communities, whether yep. they're rural or urban. And we are such a small country that things can change so fast mm -hmm. and people get on board with the idea. Yeah. And I think that most New Zealanders are super pragmatic mm -hmm. and yeah, they'll just be like, that's a good idea. Yeah. So the thing is, most people call bullshit on politicians and yeah. this wave and style that we do politics a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And that inauthenticity really shines through mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, this mindset that certain politicians have of just we have to play it safe in order to, you know, not push the boundaries so that we manage to keep the things that we have at the yeah. moment. 100%. Uh, people are really sick of it. But also that's the uh, the flip side of it. You know, like I come from, um, in terms of like my mates and stuff, tons of them are anarchists or just don't care about politics. They're yeah. like, you know, who cares? Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, by not caring, 
perversely you end up empowering the people who are making things a bit shit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. you need to realize that um, if you want things to change, either you know get up and do it yourself yeah. or participate, like participate yeah. in whatever way you want to, but mm -hmm. participate somehow. Mm -hmm. You know, have you heard that quote, the masses of men lead quiet lives of desperation? Mm. And I think what mm. it means by that is a lot of people want the change yeah. and you know, they, you know, but they bitch about that it doesn't happen, mm. yet they don't do anything. Well, yeah, funny, funnily enough, like I did, um, so my BA is in philosophy, mm -hmm. um, and that was a really weird, like my dad was like, what are you doing? What's the job prospects and that? But I was like, I just really am interested in purpose and mm -hmm. what the point of everything is. And uh, one of the things that I studied was kind of theology and looking at different religions in the world. I'm agnostic myself, but uh, something which always resonated with me is in Buddhism, um, the notion, and it sounds real depressing when you say it, but that life is suffering. Mm -hmm. And if you really dig into that, I think that it means that regardless of what you, whatever you choose to do, things are going to be hard. Mm -hmm. So you can choose to do the thing that you hate and yep. it earns you the living per your parents' expectations or whatever, yep. uh, but it's going to suck. Mm -hmm. Or you can choose to do the thing that is really scary, but mm -hmm. that gives you purpose and meaning. 100%. And the thing that I always rally against, right, because I'm asked to speak at all of these, because I'm like the young person who on paper, you know, sounds good or whatever, yeah. to speak at all these success um, kind of events. And I'm like, uh, I always come up after these folks who go, if you find the thing that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And mm -hmm. I have to go, that is absolute bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. If you find the thing that you love, you will never work harder than you've ever worked because yeah. it probably doesn't exist, yeah. probably doesn't pay very yeah, well. 100%. Uh, you have to invent it from the ground up. Yeah, 100%. So it's that recognition that it's going to be scary and it's going to be hard, but it's going to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. And, and you will really live. Yeah, yeah totally. It's you be feel fulfilling. energized. You'll probably live longer. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole time you were suffering. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that quite interesting? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The fact that you were suffering yet you loved it. So mm. it's what pulls you through the hard times and Hard you up. live longer, probably healthier life, totally. healthier relationships. Yeah. You know, you're you're a positive example for the people well, around you. Find you. Yourself Sounds in very your counterintuitive. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think meaning and purpose is such a powerful thing. Mm. But once again, we don't really get educated. It's almost like a, mm. I, you know, I'm a believer that everybody should pure, pursue uh, a journey in self-education because yep. I think things which we're talking about now are so mm. powerful to, to individuals and communities and countries, mm. yet not many people know about it. So I think it's so important that people like you actually do stick your neck out mm. and actually you know speak on the importance of this. It's funny though, way, because like yeah. I um, have to remind people, because I, I have a lot of people nowadays, like I'm obviously real lucky to have fallen into all this stuff, but obviously put yeah. on the hard yards to lucky. be here. Yeah, no, nah, I feel life. that, I feel yeah. that. Um, and I've also failed a lot to yeah. be here too. Yeah. Um, but people come up to me and you know they've um, seen me on TV or whatever, and there's like a certain element of projection and it's mm -hmm. like, you're gonna solve all this stuff, you're like, you're great and you're amazing. And I'm just like, I'm just a person and mm. I've just like, you know, been um, obviously fortunate, capitalized on fortune, but also capitalized on that failure yeah. and those risks. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, I want everyone to do that. Because mm. if everyone was to do that, then yeah. the world and our politics would yeah. look entirely different. Oh, definitely. Entirely but do you, different. Do you think it all comes down to even high school as like you're marked on you know A grade B a, mm. a B minus mm. A plus or whatever. Dude, I had it that's, that, 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 yeah, that's that's how you're classified yeah. whether or not you're successful. Totally. You know, yeah, and I so think... it's almost like ingrained at you mm. in, in you from an early age. So mm. it's almost if you do want to change, you have to do all this unwinding and rewiring yeah. of your own oh, brain. Oh, totally. I was kicked out of chemistry class at high school. Um, I was I was really annoying, um, but I was arguing with my chemistry teacher because I'd obviously started you know doing my own research and being far more interested in like other books and you know design and stuff. 
And I was debating with her that everything that she was teaching us was falsifiable, which mm -hmm. is actually a premise of science that mm -hmm. it's all falsifiable. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, and she obviously didn't like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was the kind of thing that I wanted to engage in. And yeah. it should have been an opportunity to be like, okay, you can now go and, you know, learn about this like philosophy mm -hmm. or critical thinking or whatever, um, or design thinking. Mm -hmm. But instead it was, no, you're going out of the class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you fail that segment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, most people don't know, but I'm technically a high school dropout. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I went to a fancy school, so I had to sign forms saying I was dropping out. But I actually got... Um, excellence endorsed in level two and had, and went to uni early but mm -hmm. my school didn't recognize it and I had mm -hmm. to do the whole thing myself and all mm -hmm. the paperwork because they didn't want to recognize that that was a pathway yeah uh, but also it's really funny because I got only just scraped through with achieved and level one of NCEA mm -hmm. wow. and that's because I was totally disengaged yeah. and it wasn't the space that I wanted to be in and I finally had the motivation with level mm -hmm. two because I was like I'm out of here mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? 100%. it seems like a common thing though even for because my son's the same thing he's very mm. intelligent very bright inquisitive but he just he's it's a, not he's recognized a, by yeah. the traditional school yeah, he's a system, square yeah. peg in a round hole yeah. so for us where I'm actually not too worried about mm. it but um, the teachers worry about it. Yeah. But I kind of see the way he uses his brain in other mm. ways, and I just mm. know it's all around stimulation. Well, yeah, this is the funny thing, right? Like, my little brother is 12. Yeah. Um, so it's really sick because I'm now our education spokesperson, and there's a whole lot of stuff happening in the education. Like, the, the future of work is a minefield. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. We've got AI, uh, you know, they're, they're, things are changing in every single yeah. field, and yeah. it's quite scary to people who are no prepping for a law. Yeah. But even people who are prepping for a career in like accounting. Yeah. or law 100%. because junior lawyers are currently being replaced by um, yeah, this becoming, robot called Ross yeah, yeah, from yeah, IBM. Yeah, 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 so um, it's, it's really scary to a lot of people and I think at the end of the day, actually what we need to be doing with the education system, instead of trying to create workers that mm -hmm. are going to fill XYZ role, we need to create citizens because mm -hmm. when everything falls apart, you want people who can critically and creatively think mm -hmm. and build something from scratch. Yeah, 100%. As opposed to, you know, do the job that they've been mm. taught to do since they were five. Mm, yeah. 100%. So why, like, why do you think people are inherently like that and wired mm. that way? Do I don't think, think people are, you mean why are people creative? No, or no, why, are, why people are people, they are scared to, you know, innovate mm. or just look at a problem with a completely different frame of mind. Mm. I think um, that a lot of it comes down to culture and yeah. it comes down to nurture more than anything. I don't yeah. think that people are necessarily wired to it. I don't think it's our nature because our nature, if you look at it in terms of the evolution of the human race, has been to take risks because mm -hmm. we've all survived by virtue of evolving. Mm -hmm. So I mean, if you delve into culture, culture by definition is a shared set of values. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting. Um, and, you know, for folks who are listening, like it's, shared, it's a shared set of values. Mm -hmm. So it's ultimately about what we as a society are aware of and what we value and what we place on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all of those unconscious things that we end up doing because mm -hmm. they're so normalized that we don't see them. So it's not necessarily associated to, although often is like an ethnicity or a country or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think what we value is, uh, you know, talking about the New Zealand context in particular, uh, it's often bandied about that we have a tall poppy mm -hmm, <laughs> syndrome, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And when you really delve into that, that's that we value people sticking their head down. Mm -hmm. We value people who 
uh, you know, don't necessarily make a noise about succeeding. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I find it really interesting to look at that in the context of pop culture at the moment and the kind of loathing that we have for people like uh, Kanye West, for mm -hmm. example. Um, you know, I all our faves are problematic, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like the prior to um, the, the Trump situation, um, when Kanye used to give all of his rants about, um, you know, I'm going to be the best and I'm mm -hmm. going to achieve these things and here's my vision for mm -hmm. Adidas and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I frothed it because yeah. the notion the notion was that the guy was pushing boundaries and he believed in himself, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we don't value self-belief. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem. Mm -hmm. We don't give people the tools for that. We teach people to doubt themselves mm -hmm. inherently. And we mm -hmm. teach people that if they want to succeed, they have to do what everybody else does. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the problem. I think so it's wrong. nurture yeah. and I think it's the education that we provide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Um, just going back to philosophy, mm. which uh, which philosophers, like which books or philosophers really resonated with you and kind of like, you know, changed the way you did look at the world? My favorite philosopher um, is actually a woman who wouldn't call herself a philosopher, which yeah. is quite funny. Um, it's Hannah Arendt. And mm. she uh, came out of the critical theory um, kind of train, which came out of Germany. And it was a whole bunch of German Jews. So they obviously left Germany when Hitler came along. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and they, um, so she ended up in New York and then later went to um, all of the trials um, mm -hmm. for all of the Nazi generals. And she wrote this book called The Banality of Evil. Mm -hmm. And it's basically about how uh, all people, I mean, this is, you know, a real, real paraphrase of it and looking at the kind of themes of it, but all people are capable of all value sets mm -hmm. and all people are capable of great good or great evil. Yeah. And the notion that we can be whatever in whatever context. Mm -hmm. uh, so she, you know, speaks to going to this trial uh, and watching this guy who had committed this, these atrocities mm -hmm. and there had been, you know, hundreds of thousands of people killed mm -hmm. and he just looked like a normal person. Mm -hmm. And was it, it's difficult to think that someone could be so seemingly inherently evil, mm -hmm. but present like that. Yeah. Um, so kind of staring into the face of evil and recognizing that they're just a small person. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the stuff that really interests me is yeah. um, as human beings, the, the value sets that we're capable of and how those value sets manifest in our society, whether mm -hmm. it is um, through things like communication um, or through you know art and books yeah. or design. Yeah. And particularly, I mean, I, I sound like a massive nerd when I say it, but to bring that back to uh, you know how it plays out in uh, modern cities and where people typically have more progressive inclusive values mm -hmm. um, people are interacting with different types of people all the mm -hmm. time so um, a good example of that is public transport you know public transport is, not, is something that we, we don't think about in terms of culture but you are, regardless of your social status or income, you're rubbing shoulders with people who think and look differently mm, to you. 100%. Uh, so you become accustomed to that. Yeah. And you then start to value or at least be exposed to that difference of ideas. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. Hitler says if you tell a lie loud enough and often enough, people will believe you. Mm. And that's- um, yeah, it's, it's dangerous, man. 100% yeah. dangerous. Mm. And people don't actually realize that you know, there probably is modern day Hitler's. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of wool, uh, a lot of um, what's what's the saying? Wolf wrapped up in sheep's clothing. Mm. It's just you got to be you got to be 100 percent aware the, of it. And that's that's the point about critical thinking. I think that's really important. Like if we had like this is what I value in education. 
And I was really lucky, I think, to have a few teachers who really drew it out of me mm -hmm. and recognized that despite being a really annoying, disruptive kid in class, yeah. I um, could have potential in creative and critical thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and this is why I think teachers are like the most important people in the world in terms of the, the stuff that they do for our kids. Uh, but if we were to instead have schools that allowed kids to explore ideas and take risks and create projects and to fail, mm -hmm. failure, if yeah. they were to fail and um, learn from those mistakes. And be and, rewarded for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Then, f yeah, I think society would be radically different. Yeah. It's interesting, though, as well. I still, I'm, I'm still believe it, but teach, sorry, the, the parents are the greatest teachers to the children. Yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, the teacher can influence, mm -hmm. obviously, yep. yeah, qu quite a lot because mm -hmm. they're obviously taking up a big big chunk of a kid's day. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's the parents as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being, my being, old man. Being, my yeah. old man was my um, biggest teacher. And I think it's ultimately why I ended up, you know, being so interested in society and philosophy yeah. and power dynamics and relationships and how we can change things regardless of whether they're real small, like mm. seemingly localized changes or real yeah. massive. Um, I often speak about this anecdote where I was writing a speech um, when I was like 12 and um, as only, you know, a nine or 12 year old, however old I was, can, it was about the um, double standards with kids and adults and how kids have bedtimes and adults don't have bedtimes and yeah. kids get told what to eat and adults can eat pizza whenever, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I created this two minute speech and I was standing there giving it to my dad and he goes, I can't remember what he said, but it was some kind of critique. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh shit, I'll change everything about yeah. it. And he was yeah. like, hold up, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying that you have to understand that other people think differently to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want to bring people on board with your way of thinking or make them open to mm -hmm. your ideas, then you have to recognize that mm -hmm. and you have to engage with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was like that blew my mind as you know a, a little kid it's, and it's, it's it amazing set my how, tone yeah. yeah but it's amazing how those small you know those moments like, like that they almost they, they rewire those neuro mm. pathways in your mm. brain so mm. you know when you do face a similar situation later on in life yeah. the way you reacted in that moment or what your father or whoever mm. whoever um, say like you know speaks to you or encourages you or mm. whatever how that can actually change the way you think Totally. later on in life and people actually don't realize that as you are a blueprint of your environment mm -hmm. and the way you were raised your siblings mm -hmm. you know just for people closest to you mm. the other ones that actually molded you yep. so it's almost like you didn't and, and, and even your thoughts it's mm. like people think like depression and whatnot people mm. think that that's them mm. and that they're, they're oh, different yeah. but actually mm. you inherit you, you inherited those thoughts mm. so i'm not actually mm. your your mm. thoughts you know we've got a two million old two million year old brain and you know the things that we're afraid of now mm. are very different from you know, mm. a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago, we were f fearful for our life to go get water that a saber-toothed tiger was going to attack us. Now we're scared about you know missing a deadline or you know not getting not getting whatever grade or yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. or people not liking your Instagram posts. Totally. And <laughs> yeah. it's a, but it's just crazy. And, it's and a different they, form of it. Yeah, it's yeah. a very different form. But mm. they think that's them, but actually it's something which they've inherited. Yeah, and it's just like really you know understanding it. And that environment thing as well. Like because I've done a lot of research on uh, mental health and drug abuse and addiction because yeah. those are kind of portfolio areas, but they're also things that I'm deeply interested in. Yeah. And 
particularly uh, recognising the links between the two in terms of substance dependency and mental ill health. Like the opposite of mental ill health is obviously well-being. And if mm -hmm. we look at it in terms of that frame, like what facilitates great well-being? It's obviously eating all good, like getting enough sleep, enough exercise, yeah. seeing your family, having meaningful work mm -hmm. uh, and feeling as though you belong and you understand who you are. So it's yeah. a sense of identity. Uh, the major drivers of mental ill health, and this is what all the research over the past decade has started to show, is that it's largely environmentally spurred mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, it's things like trauma uh, and it's things like poverty, which mm -hmm. can be the major drivers of it. Yeah. And this is where I think we have to recognize that we are social beings mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and the really unfortunate thing about stuff like depression is that it drives you uh, ever more to isolate yourself, yeah, yeah, um, which is the complete antithesis yeah. to something that'll help you. 100%. Uh, which is why, obviously, you know, when you are feeling all G, like, check on your mates. Like, yeah, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, it's almost an obligation. Because mm. I, I don't, have you ever suffered? Obviously, you've mm. had, you know, experienced the blues and gone mm. through tough times, mm. but have you ever been in a deep hole of depression? Yeah, man, I've um, been quite, like, relatively open about the facts because uh, I think it's important, particularly for people who hold whatever social platform. Um, I, I've, I have a history of anxiety and depression. Yep. Um, and anybody who has, you know, been through the ringer with mental ill health will know that those things aren't linear. So they yep. still kind of creep up at yep. times. And it's that getting to know yourself, I think, yep. and understanding how you react in certain environments and certain situations. But, uh, you know, figuring out what makes you work well. Yep. So, I mean, for me, it's been recognizing that I'm a relatively introverted person. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy meaningful conversations mm -hmm. with folks. So, like, I love a one-on-one -on -one combo. We can yep. go deep on stuff. I cannot have those two-second politician-type combos where it's yep. like, how's the weather? Bouncing to this next person, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that I need enough sleep. I know that I need uh, exercise. And yep. I build my life around that. Yeah, it's amazing. Because if you are not living sustainably, then you can't do the things that you care about mm -hmm. or you will burn out. And I've had that experience as well before, you know. It's real funny when, um, particularly you're in the thick of stuff, like I was finishing off my law degree because I did that after um, my BA and I was um, running three businesses uh, and I think I was finishing my, my work with Neck of the Woods. It was before I even thought about the mayoralty. And I was balancing all this stuff and, you know, I was working seven days a week and... Uh, all of a sudden I got hit with acute appendicitis mm -hmm. and I was then in hospital for seven days wow. and it was gnarly. Like I had stuff leaking out into Oof. my stomach. Yeah, I had two emergency yeah. surgeries. I couldn't eat for five days. It was awful. Uh, but I recognized that, you know, when you stop spinning the plates, the mm -hmm. world doesn't stop. Yeah. And you do need to take that time out because the world will continue mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're... Yep. I think we end up putting ourselves at the center of the universe far too much and not recognizing that we can lean on other people mm -hmm. and we can delegate. 100%. And you're never going to be able to grow anything unless you have a team. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it actually takes a lot of courage to do that as well. Totally. Because even from my, my experience as well, when I first started my business on uh, top of Mountain Road, mm. I was 23 at the time. Mm. I had a two-year-old I remember that. I, I work on... I'm sorry, I live on Newton Road. So oh, yeah, it's cool. right around yeah, the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And you know, that was, you know, obviously all exciting. And once the adrenaline wore, wore off, it was all, okay, it, it, <laughs> you're in the real world now. Yeah. You've got rent, yep. you've got staff. stock yep. staff, you know, you've got a daughter, you got mm -hmm. mouths to feed. Mm. And I, I just couldn't handle it. And I fell mm. into a deep state of depression. Mm. And the only way I 
could handle it at the time was mm. smoking marijuana. Yeah. And then I had back problems for yeah. whatever reason, which I thought was an injury, mm. but actually it was probably from diet or whatnot, yeah. what have you. So then, you know, next minute I'm, you know, taking coding to numb that, yeah. but it made me feel like zoned out. Totally. And then I just got to the point where I absolutely hit rock bottom and I just yeah. I just told myself, I was like, there has to be a better way. Totally. Yeah, there has to be a be a be a better way and, I, and then I just pursued this journey of, of, of self-help and I, yeah. I got books, yeah. went to a naturopath because immediately I went to the doctor and they prescribed yeah. me uh, antidepressants yeah. and it made me feel better but I felt nothing, nothing. I felt yeah, like a totally. zombie totally. and uh, I was like nah this is not right mm. and then it just kind of triggered something in me to actually pursue this different mm. journey and I, what I really learned is you know the most powerful antidepressant is within us. Like mm. we were given that. Mm. It's just you know learning and understanding how to tap into that. Totally. So as you said before, sunshine, runs, yep. nature, yep. food, people, mm. uh, clean diet, mm. get rid of all the poisons and, mm. and, and toxins and alcohol. Mm. And immediately, you know, you start to get clarity and you start to see life in a com completely different light. Yeah. And what's it's funny though, because like society doesn't promote that stuff. Yeah. Again, if you're talking about, uh, you know, what society does promote, it's like working yourself into the ground, like, yeah. uh, you know, drinking when you're celebrating yeah. or when you're depressed or when you've had a good day, when yeah. you've had a bad day, when you've had a normal day, yeah. all of those types of things. And uh, I think instead, if we were to go, actually, it's real mean if you get eight hours sleep. It's yeah, real mean 100%. if you look after yourself Definitely. and, you know, go for a run. Yeah, just look at a tree, things. go on yeah. the bush. Honestly, yeah. nature therapy, people think it's just for tree huggers. Yeah. I kid you not, it's mm. the best thing. Mm. It's like one of my passions, which I've, one of my best friends got me into it. And, yeah. you know, we'll go out on the white tackeries and we'll yeah. find a spring, we'll do cold water immersion. Awesome. Which, you know, it just stimulates blood flow for your organs and then you get But it's time to think as well. 100%. I don't think we're alone with yeah. our thoughts enough. Like, yeah. that's a major thing for me it's funny talking about the um like being out in nature thing i was actually never really but like i'm an urban kid grew up yeah. around auckland central I was, grew, I, was, I was raised on a vineyard out west so. oh true so you, at the time yeah. i took it for granted i yeah. always wanted to be in, in the yeah city. in the city yeah. yeah and i um never really frothed the idea of going out into yeah. nature and like camping and stuff i was like oh that sounds really like, like difficult yeah, and a bit yeah. boring weird it um, doesn't work but yeah, yeah now um i really enjoy going out for tramps uh because it's a different form of inspiration mm -hmm. as well, I think. Yeah, like, I agree. Speaking to um, business in particular, one of the best things that I ever read um, when I was looking at how you innovate and evolve and change your way of thinking is that if you are consistently looking at the best in your field, then all you are ever destined to do is emulate mm -hmm. and do the same things that everybody has ever done. Yeah. You can iterate on that, yeah. you know, but you are never going to create something new. Yeah. If you are in fashion, you need to look at architecture, yeah. you need to look at music, you yeah. need to look at nature. Yeah. And same, same with whatever you're into, yeah. you have to look at different forms of yeah. inspiration and how different people do their craft. Like look at cooking, you know, oh, something. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why some, you know, people that change industries are usually not from their industry mm. so you'll have architects coming into nike and mm. creating the most innovative shoe of all mm. time you know and collaborating with michael jordan the mm. greatest one arguably mm. the greatest mm. athlete and you know you've got people like i don't know forgive me if i'm wrong maybe picasso i don't think picasso was trained or maybe he was actually mm. but you see where i'm getting yeah. at like you come in you look at it differently and then straight away you're like that doesn't make sense totally. i'm gonna do it differently mm. when we began this business we came in completely naive had mm. no business background and you know, people were doing, people were designing 12 months ahead mm. and they were, it's purely funded off wholesalers. So you're yeah. dependent on this person's business succeeding. 
That didn't make sense to us, so mm. we started doing 12 collections. We brought down our cost of good. Mm. We didn't uh, didn't design 12 months. We designed as close as we could because mm. men don't shop. Yeah, know, men totally. don't buy coats in summer. Mm. Um, I know a lot of in the women's fashion industry mm. they do. Mm. Women, men don't. So really basic. But there's the thing. It's practical. understanding how you know, like if you don't understand how your consumer or the people who you're trying to relate to actually think, mm. regardless of whatever industry you're in, you are destined to fail. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. it's actually being close to the ground. And I think that's um, kind of having skin in the game, right? Yeah, yeah, Like absolutely. That was one of the biggest realizations that I had in politics is that if I just continued to stay around all of these people who were bred to be politicians and, you know, uh, in this very literal ivory tower supposedly ruling over <laughs> and understanding the lives of people, how the hell are you ever going to make a meaningful decision? Yeah, exactly. You have well, to be not. out there. Yeah, yeah, totally. You have to be out there on the ground. 100%. Um, actually, like, hearing people's critique, like, yeah. in your face. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but also, you know, dealing with and tackling all of those really difficult situations uh, that are otherwise just numbers on a page. Yeah, 100%. So, like, when you're talking about things like homelessness, you know, like, we're always talking about stats and stuff. But I was like, actually, um, I'm going to go and talk to LifeWise, which is yeah. one of the two youth housing um, yeah. providers. Nick's, in Auckland. Yeah, I think Nick's um, one of the guys as part yeah. of us. Oh, yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. they, um, and I was like, I want to volunteer for social work with you guys for three hours every Monday. Mm-hmm. And I did that all of last year. And that was and to it, understand? It was, yeah, and it was yeah. to understand. And it blew my mind. It's just all of the stuff which these people are making decisions about. And again, you can apply this to whatever yeah. sector you're in. And they got no if fucking idea. Yeah, if you yeah. don't have any um, experience on the ground, 100%. you're never going to get it. Well, it's like you can do something and hope hope it's going to solve a problem mm. or you can figure out what the yeah. problem is and come up with a solution. Yeah. Far easier, yeah. far more practical, <laughs> Far yeah. more effective. Yeah, totally. It's like, fuck, they don't teach yeah. you that at Harvard Business School. No, it's like, no. Well, that's that. the irony of all of it, right? Like, people who train to do their professions never look outside. Like, a great example of it as well is like how economists, mainstream economists, could not protect the global financial crisis or the mm. recession. Yeah. They didn't see it coming. It's, yeah. they're, they're supposed to be experts. Yeah. But yeah. these real these people who were seen as like whack jobs yeah. um, from outside of it who are engaged in different industries were like, things are a little bit yeah, yeah. like things sketchy. Are too good to yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this um, this cleaner's got ten houses in the books. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't make sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's just you know, how are you ever going to understand anything if you don't get out of your head every once in yeah. a while and out of your industry and 100%. out of your and even out of your community? Like, yeah. go talk to people who have a totally different life experience. Yeah, to I you. agree. So what did you learn? What did you learn with dealing? You know, just spending time with mm. people that are homeless because they've mm. always fascinated me yeah. as well. Yeah. I just haven't had the courage to ask them. Yeah, what did so, you learn? Um, I've been dealing mostly uh, working with mostly like young people who have been yeah. homeless. So. It's, and, and is that, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but is that actually, is that rising? I'm just noticing yeah. it more and yeah. more. Yeah, it's definitely becoming more visible. Yeah. Um, so uh, the interesting thing, um, or rather the kind of depressing and scary thing, is that um, youth homelessness is often less visible because it doesn't happen on the streets. Yeah. So people end up, um, you know, there's a form of secondary homelessness where you sleep in your car or you sleep yeah. on a mate's couch. Uh, but then often younger people end up engaged with uh, some quite, some people who manipulate them and yeah. take advantage of them and yeah. then take them in and, you know, yeah. screw them over and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And then there's often like substances involved. How so? What's involved. an example of that? Um, so people end up, you know, selling their bodies. Oh, okay. Um, so is that for women or both? Both women and men, wow. yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was speaking to, um, you know, this younger woman who uh, had been homeless since she was 14. Um, wow. she was the, She's now 20. Wow. Uh, and she had just been bouncing around between Auckland, Christchurch and Wellington. Wow. Uh, and just trying to, again, I think that 
you know, for her really getting into the nitty gritty of it, she's just trying to do what all of us are trying to do in terms yeah. of find purpose and understand her life. But and she's survive. dealing with so much trauma yeah, of course. Uh, that she doesn't know how to navigate spaces. And obviously people are turned off by the appearance of, of her and the fact that yeah, she's on yeah. the street. Speaking to um, the kids who have, you know, gone through the whole process of uh, like begging and stuff, mm -hmm. For them, it's the most demoralizing thing that you can do because people ignore you, yeah. And that's one of the difficult things, yeah. As a you know average person, for and lack also of a people term, just assume no that you're going to spend it on drugs or alcohol. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that sometimes they do, and that's because yeah. their life sucks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no one wants to be addicted yeah, to substances. Exactly. But, yeah. And like, yeah, living in trauma scars yeah. you, and you become yeah. intoxicated, and you actually can't think clearly. out, and so then you end up down this like it just yeah stuff spirals out of control. Yeah, yeah. So the thing for them that really helps is you know finding that empowerment in terms of you know people seeing them as other people again mm -hmm. uh, and they find a purpose and a way to contribute I yeah. think ultimately that's what all human beings want to do we just want to contribute yeah so that contribution and that participation and broader society and finding their community yeah um, is what like helps them turn their lives around. Yeah. But it's really hard when you're so far down the spiral. Yeah. That's the fascinating thing for people who, Sounds you know. Sounds so counterintuitive. Yeah, totally. But it's yeah. the thing for people who get caught up in like gangs and stuff yeah. as well, you know, and end up, you know, down a really dark path with regard to criminality. They find their purpose and their meaning in their community mm. in that gang underground because they've mm. been rejected by mainstream society. Yeah, yeah. So wow. I think that we overcook how we're going to solve all these problems because yeah. we don't understand them yeah. again and we get fearful of them and yeah. we get risk averse because no one wants to talk about how gang members are as people as well. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, and that's the thing about politics. Like it is so easy and straightforward for people to buy into fear mm -hmm. and to manipulate that fear mm -hmm. as opposed to try and delve into the complexity and the nuance. Mm. Um, but also ironically, the simplicity mm. that is just living in society mm, um, you know, and uh, empathizing with other people's yeah. humanity. And that's probably why a lot of problems don't get resolved mm. because people are overcomplicated, yeah. you know, whereas actually you can keep boiling it down, oh, totally. boiling it down to the point where it's very straightforward. Mm. But have you, from your experience, have you mm. seen any cases of people, you know, being on the streets mm. and just they've got nothing to live for mm. and they actually do turn themselves around? Um, there definitely are some cases of people, um, so this is more so in research, um, but it's also the case that, you know, so people end up at rock bottom, um, and I think this is also the case for certain people when it comes to mental health. Um, you know, when you hit rock bottom and you have nothing left to lose, you can kind of, you know, the, the options are quite simple. Yeah. Um, and some people end up just going further and further down a rabbit hole of numbness, and yeah. other people try and find a foothold on meaning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I it gets really difficult to try and explain what it is that triggers people to, yeah. to get to that point. Yeah. Um, but it's going to sound like I'm um, kind of being real, um, I don't know, trying to drop, name drop. Um, but I was having a conversation with Nick Cave when mm -hmm. after his show in Auckland um, about a, a few weeks ago. And he has been quite open about his experience in the past with um, substance abuse. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was heroin that he was yep. addicted to. That's right. And he was saying that there was a certain point for him um, you know, we romanticize um, particularly drug abuse and creativity. 
uh, and we say that you know if people are taking these substances and that's when they have their best work and stuff but yeah. he found that um, he reached this point where he was isolating himself further and further from the people he loved and the things that he cared about mm-hmm. um, but also that it was getting boring mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he decided at a certain point that he just had to he had to quit because he was getting further and further into just being a man alone yeah. and life wasn't meaningful anymore for him yeah. um, so he then went completely cold turkey wow. on all substances uh, including alcohol wow. and for him now he thinks that he makes his best work yeah. and that's the thing because he has to go further than blowing your mind out to try mm-hmm. and come up with a new experience he actually has to talk to people yeah, and wow. have new experiences wow. yeah because yeah. on the flip side of a depression epidemic mm. I also feel that the new trend is to take better care of yourself and mm. your mind mm. um, obviously it's not everywhere yeah. but I do notice it a lot more mm. and you know people aren't afraid now to actually speak about success yeah. and how to get it and uh, you know the tools and tactics which you need to you know learn mm. in order to experience that as well mm. do you agree with that I think yeah I think that uh, speaking to a whole raft of you know young people in particular who are really keen to find their version of success, whatever it is and whatever they do and live a meaningful life, uh, it is the case that we have far more resources than our parents ever did. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a double-edged sword yep, uh, in terms of the internet can just be something that you end up wasting your whole life on because <laughs> yeah. um, it's and filled also, with distractions yeah. and awful people. And disconfirming evidence. Yeah. You'll hear one thing here and the totally, opposite over here. Totally. And yeah. there's that deep polarization as well, yeah. right? Um, that's something which I find really fascinating in the context of politics is that um, all, of those cognitive, all of those cognitive biases really come out to play on yeah. the internet and that polarization uh, because people are just looking you know as like confirmation bias Mm -hmm. um, and uh, rejection of things Mm -hmm. that don't fit with you know the way that you think about the world so you just end up clumping together with people who think alike but again that's not at all beneficial if you ever want to change things or change your life or change the world or whatever it is that you want to do Um, but yeah I do think that uh, there are a lot of resources out there for people and as long as you do keep that critical and creative lens on Mm -hmm. things and don't just get angry at the world but actually try and figure out how you're going to change things mm-hmm. if that's where you're at yeah yeah totally. um, then yeah you should be all good yeah so how do you balance it because obviously you you need to empathize with you know people that aren't that haven't hacked you know yeah. clocked life but then at the same <laughs> but then at the same time I don't think anyone's clocked life yeah, but you, yeah. you, you know what I mean yeah. people that just haven't it hasn't worked out for them yeah should I say but then at the same time you've mm. got this growth mindset mm. um, side of you and you need to be around hungry like-minded people mm. in order for you to grow to the next level mm. do you find that you have to be conscious of the balance and mm. sometimes you find yourself you know since you're going in this direction mm. you start to find yourself thinking that way or mm. are you aware of that or do you think I, about that type of yeah, thing yeah i mean you know you definitely come across people who uh, just end up um very like myopically set in the way that they see the world mm-hmm. and um to them it is that they want to throw stones from their armchair yeah uh, and that's one of the hardest things i think when you're actually dealing with like these massive uh, crises of humanity like climate change or yeah. you know the hom- homelessness or mm-hmm. the um, refugee crisis or whatever it is uh, because there's always people from all sides, even the people who are supposed to support you, who are going to critique the way that you're trying to do things. Mm-hmm. And 
the way that I try and look at it, because, you know, I particularly deal with all these folks who, you know, like the classic adage is don't read the comments, but mm-hmm. I do read the comments because I want to understand why yeah. what people are thinking, even yeah. if it is those people who are on their armchairs who've never engaged with the, you know, quote unquote real world. Yeah. But the what I find really valuable is actually trying to read through what is often screeds of hate, because, you know, I'm a young woman on the internet. Yeah. And you find that what what I find valuable is that if there is a grain of truth in it, mm-hmm. I'll try and take that out. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, just the ad hominem baseless yeah. attacks. It's yeah. like if someone's saying that they've got a, you know, a different approach or a different perspective, then I'll try and integrate that. Yeah. And I'll try and think about um, whether there's any meaning um, to that. And then I'll approach people who think differently to me. One of my favorite things um, to do, um, particularly in, you know, the, uh, in politics, uh, because it is all about different forms of change that you can create, and particularly around like the cannabis debate, for example. Uh, all of these people who think that they disagree with me, mm-hmm. who are like, we got to save the children and stuff. I'm like, I want to save the children too. That's yeah, my yeah. point. I want to regulate this stuff because yeah. right now, you know, they can get it from any tiny house they want <laughs> yeah, and yeah. those drug dealers are not checking ID. 100%. And I have to go and have those conversations with people. I don't just want to be antagonistic. And that's kind of what we were talking mm. about before, um, you know, the camera started rolling and stuff is the notion that a lot of people get into this real competition mindset and it's that they're against everybody. But ultimately, you could, some of your best collaborators can be people who are on the complete opposite side yeah, you know, of things to you. 100%. How do you, when you read all the comments that are against you, mm. how do you come in with a neutral frame of mind and to actually pluck out the goodness of mm. it? Because mm. that's a very, you know, that's impressive. A lot of people can't do that. Mm. I mean, there's definitely days that I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. You need to be, I guess, self-aware to a certain extent of yeah. that. Uh, and, you know, speaking to self-help and stuff, like I went through that period in my, when, in my teenage years when I was like, um, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life. I feel really ground down. I don't understand the world and I don't know how I'm ever going to do anything mm-hmm. and things are really dark. Uh, and <clears throat> I remember just, you know, reading through a ton of things where uh, one of the things that really stuck with me, I can't remember where it was, but it was the notion that you are not going to be good at some stuff mm-hmm. and that's okay, mm-hmm. you know, but just be self-aware enough to recognize that totally. and then to work with the people who are good at that mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. uh, but also build your strengths where you want to build them yeah. and try new things to figure out where you aren't good at stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the risk side of things too, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think people who are really unhappy with the way that their life is, uh, if they were to pursue what they think is a passion, like Mm -hmm. I tried so many different things Mm -hmm. and I was bad at a lot of it, Mm -hmm. but then I found the things that I was good at. Yeah, definitely. You know, and you fail and you lose out and things can break down. But ultimately what you've got at the end of the day, if, you know, you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the thing as well. People think that you can just stumble across your your, your ultimate career or your mm. ultimate partner, but actually you got to pursue it. you got to yeah. try a million And even of- when you're in that position, right? Like it's real funny how people go, if I just do this, then I'll have the perfect career. Or if I just do this, yeah. then I'll have the perfect partner. Like if you're in that career or you're in that relationship, mm-hmm. shit's hard. Oh, You've got to yeah. work at that. Yeah, definitely. It's, just, it's not just like magic and life's over and the definitely. credits roll. I know that's how movies work, but yeah. that's not how real life works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you want to, you know, you, you don't just get it and things are okay forever. Yeah. You get it and you have to keep working yeah. at it. And if yeah. you want to remain um, a sense of happy or you know, have your well-being, 
Uh, you have to recognize that there are going to be bad times mm -hmm. as well. And mm -hmm. you have to be willing to take those experiences and learn from them. And almost expect it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Because when it comes to you, you're like, okay, I've been anticipating this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. 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 Whereas a Bring lot it. of people, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Whereas a lot of people just react to it. Yeah. And that's what, you know. And I think, again, that's one of the things that we kind of don't really teach or engage with in, you know, mainstream society, for lack of a better term, is the notion that, uh, even good things are bad sometimes. 100%. And that's important. Yeah. yeah. Sugar's good for the moment. Makes yeah. you feel like shit a couple of, <laughs> exactly. couple of hours after. Um, how, how are you wired this way? Like, do you think you built this person or do you think you, um, you know, you, you're just naturally like this? Because you're very, you know, you're, you're ambitious, you're hungry, mm. you're, you know, yeah, obviously, I, I, I know you're. I know you are scared of things, but you're yeah. not scared of fear. Yeah, you know, you kind of lean into it, yeah. which is a that's a that's a huge skill in itself. I think um, I, I think it was a, a a huge a huge range of things. A huge range of things makes a person, um, and a huge range of experiences make people. I think uh, in being conscious about you know, really choosing the people that I spend, I choose to spend time with. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have a whole raft of friends from different professions. Like one of my best friends um, is a midwife and mm -hmm. I love her insight into yeah. what she does. Yeah, midwives um, are amazing. Yeah, totally. Like, and um, another one of my really good friends, my best friend Tom um, is a filmmaker. Um, so his perspective on things. Mm -hmm. um, it's real funny because we, he helped me a lot during the um, local government campaign. And after that, we didn't speak for a few months because he was like I don't ever want to see you again uh, because again it was this recognition that whilst things were really good and we could create like amazing things together uh, it just wasn't sustainable yeah of course uh, so it's I guess uh, stumbling through and failing at a whole bunch of things like I, I would definitely there are days when I'm not like this yeah uh, and it's recognizing that on those days maybe you just need a nap or yeah. you need to do another thing yeah, you know 100%. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I'm a particularly special person by any means. I've failed a lot and I will continue to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, like, don't put, don't ever put your heroes on a pedestal. Eh? Yeah. Like, um, when kids come up to me nowadays and are like, you are like, particularly on the politician thing, right? Yeah. Like, I have a lot of young people who go, um, what you do is really cool and I want to be a politician too. How do I be a politician? Mm -hmm. I'm like, why do you want to be a politician? Mm -hmm. Like, in for real, why do you mm -hmm. want to be a politician? Is it because you think that, like, you, you know, you get social and, status or yeah. you get on TV or you get like money or whatever. And it's like, actually think about what you want to change. Because mm. if you actually apply that mindset, then you can be a nurse, you Definitely. can be a teacher, you can be an accountant, you a can be person, a mental yeah. health worker, you Definitely. can be a business worker, you know, you can do whatever. Mm. Uh, but think about your purpose mm. and think about what you actually want to change. Don't mm. just do something because it looks or seems cool. Because mm. um, that's often a way to be really disappointed. <laughs> mm. Mm. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's like, you know, you can have you can have mentors and tell you, you know, people mm. tell you this, but Unfortunately, some people just have to experience it to truly I learn did. it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I had a lot of people, a lot of wise people telling me not mm. to do a certain mm. thing, and I did it and yeah. I failed. And I was like, fuck, you're yeah. so right. Dude, I'm so yeah. anti authority. I'm yeah. like, I can't. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not listening to anybody yeah. who's telling me not to do something. I will fuck it up myself. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> but sometimes you got that natural gut instinct, mm. which you need to pursue because then you prove to yourself that. You know, because if you didn't do it, you, mm. you you would have always wondered. And that's why I've always got this theory that, you know, if I'm going down a new path or mm. I want a new venture, I fully take it to the line mm. and I can peek over, 
you know, mm -hmm. I can fully see what's going here before I make a decision. Because mm -hmm. otherwise it's that whole thing of regret yeah. and a year or two years or, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years will go past and you'll wonder what if I did that, mm -hmm. what would have happened. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, unfortunately, you mm -hmm. know, for, for people that are ambitious, they mm -hmm. do have to go all the way totally. to the edge. Yeah, and um, I think it's recognising as well, hey, that like you can learn something from anyone. Yeah. Like anyone who has a different life experience from you, regardless of whether they're not seen as being put on the same as the same thing with getting really myopic about your industry mm -hmm. and just going, well, I'm only going to look at the best people in this industry. Yeah. If you're only, you know, talking to people who are the best of whatever field and you're not talking to the folks who are actually consuming whatever you're producing or, uh, you know, the, the service or whatever you're doing, uh, then you are ultimately going to lose mm. because you are not going to be able to move or shift or evolve. Definitely. And the peop, you know, society is not just made up of the supposed upper echelon. It's mm -hmm. made up of everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, running run, running uh, for mayor of Auckland at 23 mm. years old, like... I was 22 at the time. 22 yeah. years and old. And I, I, the reason that I, re I enrolled real late because I'd just turned 22 and I yeah. didn't want to be 21 running for the Auckland yeah, Mayor because yeah, yeah. I thought my age would be a focus to yeah, begin yeah. with. And it was real funny because <laughs> I never thought that my age was that much of a big deal. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's because you've got, you know, you're so focused. Well, dude, like I, and the whole point of running for the mayoralty to begin with wasn't to like win. The, the notion of winning was to get people to give a shit yeah. and to get people to take ownership of the fact that all of us live in this city and things can be better if we mm -hmm. just participate mm -hmm. and if we just recognize that power. Mm -hmm. um, but did you feel that your age was a disadvantage and do you feel that people didn't take you seriously mm -hmm. because of it? It's funny, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. So on the one side of things, I feel as though, like it's funny being in um, parliament now, but I feel as though I had to consistently prove myself, whereas it's taken for granted that other people have more life experience. Yeah. Like the life experience one uh, really gets me because I consistently got told that I had no life experience. It was yeah. the biggest critique thrown at me. And I just, at the end of the day, had to go, what is life experience? Yeah. You know, by virtue of being 50 or 60 years old, you do not have more life experience just because you've lived more years. Mm. Uh, I know tons of people who are in their 50s or 60s who have done the same thing day in and day out for mm -hmm. 30 years of their life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what you learn from, what life experience actually is, is exposure to novel situations. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why, you know, babies don't remember stuff because yeah. there are so many, there's an overwhelming oh, amount of novel experiences yeah. and you are learning from all of that yeah. but if you've spent the same like your time doing the same thing day in and day out for 30 odd years mm -hmm. uh, you know probably have some problematic ways of thinking about the world mm -hmm. uh, but it's also the case that when new situations come along you are not going to be able to adapt or develop or evolve you are not going to be able to solve new problems you mm -hmm. know what's the saying something along the lines of if you you know do the thing that we've always done we'll get the results that we've always got mm -hmm. so I just really had to throw that back in people's face and go what is life experience like mm. what do you want here do you want the same thing we've always had mm. how did they react to that <laughs> they didn't like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's the thing right like you just have to challenge people obviously um you have to do it in a polite and empathetic way um but you really have to well i mean you don't necessarily have to it's just the way that i approached yeah. it like at the end of the day, what the hell is the point? Mm. What is the point if we're not striving to be better and solve all of these problems that mm. we've created as a society? Mm. What is the point if uh, you're not moving forward and developing? Mm. But I also think that if if everybody, you know, you'd probably argue if it's differently, but if everybody, you know, felt like that, like 
fuck it, I'm not going to work. I'm mm. just going to pursue my dreams and mm. do whatever else. Mm. It'd almost be, there'd almost be no structure. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So you almost well, need. What's the structure develops? Yeah. So, you know, what's it given us? I get yeah. it. I get well, it. It almost like it'll form a new structure. But yeah, yeah it's yeah. just like, I guess my point is, is like, maybe everybody can't be like that. Mm. You know, maybe, it, you know, if you look at the animal kingdom, mm. there is hierarchies and there's a leader mm. and, you know, they have to, they, 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 you know, they lead the way and then mm. everyone follows a similar path. Mm. But do you think with like human beings, it's almost similar? Like mm. you can't have, you know, there can't be too many of yous. It's mm. just. I mean, it's an interesting thought experiment, right? Because we've never been there. We don't know what society would look like. Mm. I definitely feel uh, that as we get into uh you know, the, the next iteration of whatever is to come uh, because we have to be seriously thinking about the future of work and the fact that, you know, automation is going to take whatever percent of jobs mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to have to look at education differently and we are going to have to recreate society and we're going to mm -hmm. have to figure out what kind of structure we do want to have. I, th I fundamentally believe in democracy and that sounds so nerdy to say, mm -hmm. but I believe in people coming together to create solutions to stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely gonna be people who feel more confident to put their voices forward, but that doesn't always mean that they have the best solutions. Yeah. You know, If we look at the way that politics has run for the past 30 or 40 years, that's definitely not led us mm. down the perfect mm. iteration of society. Yeah, definitely. I think, um I think it's there for someone to break or bend, and bend all the rules. So. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, as with every given industry, you know, yeah. like um, one of the real buzzwords is, um, oh, what do you call it, when people um, completely change an industry, when people break into it. I've, anyway, mm -hmm. been what, at all of these. Or? Yeah, disruptors. Yeah. Uh, and it's really funny looking at that in terms of, you know, whether it's electric cars or... Uh, the internet and social media or, you know, online shopping or whatever, it, or, you know, the Uberization of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, everything can change mm -hmm. and everything is changing faster than it ever has. Yep. Uh, so if you have an idea, just test it out, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it, things have never been more ripe for that. Yep. Um, but obviously understand, and I understand that people come from different, you know, situations. Like some folks have families that they mm -hmm. have to support. And that means that you have a slightly lesser tolerance for risk, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you should completely give up on risk mm, altogether. 100%. I think it would be the best example to your children to actually take that risk. Because, mm. uh, yeah, and once again, you're going to struggle, but it's going to bring them more fulfillment. Yeah. Therefore, you are a better role model. Yeah. Um, just kind of switching it up a little bit, what's, yeah, how, how do you keep your body and your brain fueled like mm. through say, say diet and, mm. and exercise? Cause I take it, you know, with you know, the way you're driven cognitively, you need to be high performance nonstop. Obviously you said you're an introvert, but <laughs> you know, we just gave you some bullet, bulletproof yeah, I appreciate coffee. That. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> and I can see you're kind of kicking into second and third gear, yeah. but how do you, do you have any This kind is just of, when I'm hyped about stuff. I'm just yeah. like, let me tell you nah, all my great. ideas. I, yeah. I love the passion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you have any hacks like that you mm. do, you know, morning mm. rituals or anything that kind of primes you for the day? No, funnily enough, I don't really. Like I really tried to, meditation is an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I definitely, uh, for about a year of my life, it was a really important thing. Yeah. Um, and then running was really important for me. Yeah. And then weightlifting was really important for me. Yeah. Um, I did Muay Thai for two years. I wow. did karate for seven years. Wow. Um, How old I, are you again? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm 24. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's life the, experience. Ex I know, tell me about life experiences. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'll do you want to see it on paper? 
remember. But and that's that's the thing, right? Like all these people who are like fifty years old. It's like show me the things yeah, yeah. anyway. Show me the money. <laughs> uh, so I I don't necessarily have any structure other than I know that I need to do some form of exercise and be outside um, yeah. once a day. Yeah. Uh, and I actively kind of make sure that that's in my calendar. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, and my calendar, you know, I'm. I'm stoked. I've got a staff member now in Parliament, and so that's another person who nice. now is able to help me with the screeds and screeds, wow. particularly comms that I get on a daily basis, yeah. which I've never had support for before ever yeah. in my life. Wow. Um, obviously, it's on a whole different level now, but yeah. um, that means that you know people recognise that that is my time and mm-hmm. that that is really critical, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to do my job unless mm-hmm. I have that. So the time that I do it completely changes, but yeah. it's important that it's there. Uh, I am really big on sleep, although there's definitely obviously times that I will have to wake up at four in the morning to get down to Christchurch or Queenstown or whatever. uh, And I just recognize that I will have to catch up on that sleep at some point. So you're typically trying to get eight hours sleep in a day? I, yeah, I'm, I I did a whole bunch of um, uh, research on sleep back in the day because I really wanted to do, um, I can't remember what it's called. There's the, oh, the Uberman sleep cycle. Potentially heard about it. It's one of those life hacks that, um, I read up on on Reddit. Oh, carry on, explain. Yeah, you do. Um, So you get two hours of sleep a day by sleeping. I think it's it's either 15 minutes or half an hour every two hours. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. circadian rhythms, yeah. And I did it for two weeks. Yeah. And I was a zombie afterwards. Wow. And I totally, you know, all of the Reddit forums said to just keep going. But I yeah. was like, this is just not going to work with my lifestyle. I had lectures at the time. And yeah. I was, you know, people are trying to call you at certain times to get urgent things. And Definitely. it was just a matter of going, this is not going to fit with Definitely. my lifestyle. Definitely. So I've tried all of these different ways of doing things. And I've failed at them. And I've been really gutted by that. But, you know, you just keep pushing forward. Um, I really love float tanks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, manage likewise. to do them enough. Yeah, yeah. But um, that being completely switched off. I agree. And then tramping. Yeah. Um, Wow. Is, is a new one How for many me. times have you done the sensory deprivation chamber? Sensory uh, the, is, the the is in float tank. Float yeah, so te- technical, technical term. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, all the Joe Rogan podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I um, have, t- oh man, I did it a ton during the election. Yeah. I did it at least once a week. Yeah, wow. Because um, I'd say that's probably equivalent to around 40 hours of meditation. Yeah. Oh, I, I think. It's ins- and you feel it the blows effects. Your mind. Yeah, you feel yeah. the effects two weeks, three weeks afterwards. Mm-hmm. You're a lot mm-hmm. calmer. Um, you're more articulate, clearer yeah. thoughts, yeah. You know, elevated mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. Yeah, I um, I try and I haven't done one um, this side of 2019, um, but I'm definitely. Oh, and I also go to the physio. Yeah, that's a big thing for me because awesome. um, when you're exercising and I get physio massages and you know get certain things aligned and checked out because I sometimes have real trouble sleeping. Yeah, um, and that's more to do with. Uh, it's real funny. My partner calls me a vampire because I sleep without a pillow. because yeah. <laughs> I just sleep straight flat on my back. Wow. Um, and I don't know. That's just how I've been up like growing and being yeah. like this is how I sleep yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. and just recognizing that that's your thing you know yeah 100%. Um, so it's, yeah no I don't I don't necessarily have um any of those like mad 4am wake up like yeah. d- spend half an hour writing um, yeah. and then meditating and all those crazy things that folks do I do need yeah. coffee in the morning though yeah yeah but and saying yeah you know you've you've noticed the you know, you've seen the effects of just being out in nature and yeah. walking your body, you know, moving mm. your body. I mm. think it's like, you know, so simple yet mm. so disregarded. Yeah. Like I try to encourage all these guys to have a break <laughs> in the afternoon, go for a walk. Yeah. I often do it yeah. and I come back and I'm just on, you yeah. know, the blood circulating. Totally. But um, yeah, going back to the float tanks, I yeah. think they're amazing. Yeah. I tried it, I tried them about four or five years ago 
And then I just got addicted. And I actually yeah. brought every single staff member at the time yeah. a, a voucher. Awesome. And everyone thought this was like hocus pocus. No one yeah. used it. So all of a sudden I had 25 vouchers. <laughs> yeah. So I pretty much yeah. went every week, every, yeah. For, yeah, every second week for a Sick. year. And I was very zen that yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, I, um, it's that thing. Eh? It's recognizing what you need and oh, trying it 100%, out. 100%. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, you can't always live in a state of bliss. Nah. You need, you need that turmoil in you order do. to grow. Just like growing a muscle it needs to mm. rip and shred mm -hmm. and feel painful in mm -hmm. order to grow and get get strong what about diet yeah diet's an interesting one so i uh have been a vegetarian for nearly 10 years yep. um and the reason that i'm a vegetarian i'm not a preachy vegetarian by any means but the reason i'm a vegetarian was um when i was 14 and at school uh, and was interested in philosophy i started reading about utilitarianism and the notion yeah. of um you know if something doesn't have to suffer in order for you to live then cool yeah <laughs> so that's the thing i always get asked by people who are like "Ooh, uh if you were on a desert island yes i would kill the chicken yeah, um, yeah of so that's, that's uh, because at that point it is utilitarian yeah, to kill the yeah chicken. of course so um i uh, have been really bad with my diet in the past mm -hmm. and I still it's probably the the part of my well-being that I struggle with the most mm -hmm. um, sleep is pretty good for me um, exercise is good for me but um, diet is the one that is really difficult mm -hmm. for me because I can go all day and get to 10 o'clock at night and realize I haven't eaten properly. Wow. Yeah. Um, but that's because I do coffees. Get your I, new assistant to book yeah, it up. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the thing. Tim did start doing that. So yeah. um, there was this recognition that I was having all these meetings from, you know, 7.30 in the morning all the way, because Parliament sits till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Wow. Um, having all of these meetings and, you know, speaking in the house or whatever, and I didn't take a break to yeah. eat. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I have, yeah, it's been a big thing that a lot of people in my life have started picking up on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got a lot of people who now like bring me food or wow. actively check. Yeah, that I, nice. And that's the community side of things, yeah. right? Like, um, yeah, it, it's been really, really important for me having those people who check in on me and make sure that I'm doing all good because, yeah, it'd be impossible. But it's also the case that I, I recognize now um, that you don't get the best out of, for example, exercise mm -hmm. if you're not eating properly. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, if you if you exercise mm. religiously every day, do everything right, but you eat shit, it's yeah. almost going to cancel out the gains. Oh, definitely. That you've, yeah, I mean, from. most um, you know, I got real deep on. Um, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time on the internet. <laughs> um, I got real deep on like the bodybuilding forums back in the day when I was interested in weightlifting, mm -hmm. and you know, the notion that if you uh, that diet is like ninety percent. Yeah. of like being fit you know yeah. you can do all of the weights and you can like be going but you're just not going to gain the muscle mm. that you oh, need to 100% but it's almost like a lot of diseases are mm. self-inflicted mm. from foods mm. a lot of people don't or they're not going to tell you that mm. because mm. it's going to make someone's going to make money, money. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> whereas like you know what you put in your mouth is uh you know it's one of the most important things mm -hmm. but um yeah, in terms of like, in terms of content, because you're a very, you know, you're a smart woman. Yeah. Thanks, mate. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> you got a, you got a few big words up your sleeve when you were talking to me. I was like, <laughs> I used yeah. to read the dictionary it, when I was a it, kid. Does yeah. it mean that? <laughs> yeah. But um, you must consume, or do you consume content, podcasts, mm. books? Are you regular? Yeah. You know, yeah. The I, um, I, I try and read. Uh, I didn't read any fiction last year until the holidays, so yeah. I had the. 
biggest holiday that I've ever had my whole adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had three weeks off. Yeah. Uh, and that was, and it was just, it blew my mind how yeah. much more energy I had and how ready I was yeah. to go back to work. And just the way you're like, shit, this is living. This yeah, is totally. what it feels like to be me. Totally, because yeah. if you'd asked me um, middle of last year, what I, everyone always goes, what do you want to do after politics? And I was like, I just want to do nothing for a year. Mm. Um, but I definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely came around to the idea that actually you just need to build in those breaks because otherwise you can't be reaching your creative or collaborative potential definitely, and stuff. Definitely. So it's that recognition you of sustainability yeah. again. And Julianne Genta, um, who's one of our MPs, uh, is really, really awesome on this. She's another person who checks in on me eating properly. Uh, she always goes, like, if you want to be performing at your best level, like, look at the All Blacks. Like, they mm-hmm. are not playing their, like, premier game 365 days 100%. a year. Yeah. They are preparing, yeah. you know, however many weeks or months mm-hmm. and training for that mm-hmm. and making sure that they're getting mm-hmm. rest and then they do the gig. Definitely. And well, then they rest. Definitely. You know? Well, there's a such thing as overtraining, which yeah. is actually worse than undertraining. Yeah, and the, um, also the um, overperforming as yeah. well. If you are consistently trying to do the the jazz hands, like you are never going to find the time to get better as yeah. well. Sharpen your thoughts. Mm. You know, crystallize your mind. I, I yeah, I 100% agree. Mm. Um, what else is there? I think, um, yeah, we've pretty, yeah, we've gone on. This is an interesting conversation. Yeah, sorry, I we can went, ramble nah, for nah. a very long we time. We went deep. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your, so obviously you said once you're done with politics, how mm. long are you going to stick in it and what are you going to do afterwards? It's funny, eh? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, and do you uh, think you're going to, you know, are you going to get to the point where, you know, you've seen the change, mm. you feel you've you've achieved your goals, you know, what, mm. what what does that look like? And at what point do you say, oh, I'm done, yeah. I'm going to change, I'm going to go to bigger and better things? So I had a lot of people um, when I first uh, started running for parliament, because uh, obviously, you know, I was lucky to like get the profile off the back of the mayoralty, which was never the intention of it, yeah. it was just to try and get people to care. Yeah. Um, but they were all like, oh, you know, do you want to be prime minister? Do you, How long do you want to do it? I was like, okay, first and foremost, uh, you don't join the Greens if you want to be promised. <laughs> you join the Greens because, like, you believe in something and you will fight tooth and nail for yeah. it. Um, but, you know, I also didn't want to have to wait 10 years to have an opinion. Mm. I didn't want to have to wait, you know, and climb up the hierarchy and be so institutionalized that I didn't know what I thought anymore when 100%. I was allowed to speak freely. 100%. So I wanted the opportunity to be able to say these things and to push back on stuff and to, um, you know, protest inside the institution and to create stuff from the get-go because yeah. otherwise it wouldn't be worth it for yeah. me. Uh, but then I came into it and I was like, actually... What do I what do I really, really want to do here? And people kept asking me about time limits and I kept trying to throw out arbitrary times like maybe six years, maybe nine years. I've got no idea. And I just realized that that was the worst way to be looking at it. Mm-hmm. And instead I had to go to do this genuinely and authentically. I have to figure out what I'm going to die in a ditch over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me that was sensible drug law reform because no one else was willing to do it because mm-hmm. it's too risky, uh, it's complex and it's hard and it sounds like you're siding with yeah. druggies. And yeah. I mean, obviously I'm siding with people and yeah. I want people to live healthy lives yeah. and us to understand and educate ourselves as to why that happens to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no one else was willing to stick their neck out and do mm-hmm. it. And I was just like, I am actually happy if I end my career on this issue. Mm. Uh, so for me, it was about recognizing that uh, I had to have the issues that I was willing to actually, you know, 
become deeply unpopular over mm -hmm. uh, because it would be the right thing to do for mm -hmm. me. You must have been um, popular with young people though. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it depends. Like, you know, there's definitely uh, young people who are on the other side of politics. And mm. I think that's another important thing. Eh? Like, I get a lot of, um, you know, particularly like the, the boomers when they interview me go, um, oh, yeah, so all the all the young people um, love marijuana. And I'm like, <laughs> hold up. Really? Like, there's, there's a lot of people who've seen the harm of yeah. these substances. Uh, but it's also the case that no demographic is homogenous. Like, mm -hmm. no group of people think the same. Mm -hmm. uh, not not all young people think the same. Mm -hmm. Not all middle-aged people think the same. Mm -hmm. Not all old people think mm -hmm. the same. So that difference of opinion is really critical. Mm -hmm. And I want to foster that difference of opinion mm -hmm. within younger people. Mm -hmm. Like if you're talking about voting demographics, uh, millennials actually now outnumber boomers, wow. but we're far less inclined to vote and to participate. Yeah. And again, what we were talking about before, you know, um, the camera started rolling, we, uh, it is the case that so many people don't engage in politics until they have something to protect. Mm -hmm. But why wouldn't you engage in politics to create something? Mm -hmm. Politics is legit just about decision making mm -hmm. and it's about the environment that we all live in mm -hmm. and the ingredients to um, capitalize on or to you know push people down and elevate certain voices and whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's my two cents on that. Yeah, do you think, do you think um in terms of you know, getting a point across, you almost have to look at it as a psychographic as opposed to a demographic. Mm. So you, oh, yeah. you, you know, there needs to be a commonality between mm -hmm. you know, an opinion as opposed to putting people in age brackets. And oh, do you think that can age be a brackets, key? Brackets, geographic brackets, yeah. any form of yeah, like yeah, any bracket, bracket like yeah. that. Yeah, it has to be um, a, yeah psychographic because mm -hmm. in that way, you know, people share common opinions and they can be and values. All, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Totally. They can be from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, I think so, that it absolutely is the case. I mean, yeah. it's definitely that. Uh, certain people have, uh, by, by virtue of where they live or what age they are or what school they went to or what they've been exposed to throughout their life, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's their income bracket or whatever, um, they are definitely, you know, more susceptible or more inclined to be thinking perhaps certain yeah. things. But I think that, like, I genuinely come from the perspective that everybody is capable of every value set. Yeah. And that gives me so much hope because mm -hmm. uh, it means that, uh, we are all capable of doing whatever. Yeah, whatever the <laughs> um, fuck we, we want. But yeah, like human beings are amazing and yeah, the brain is exactly. amazing. So and, underutilized. Yeah, but all yeah. of these problems that we have in society, if we actually just applied ourselves and stopped being so scared, yeah. we would solve them. Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. What's, um, you know, anyone that, yeah, I know we've kind of touched on this throughout mm. the whole conversation, but, you know, kind of boiling it down mm. to, you know, two sentences, mm. someone wants to do something, they, you've got a great idea, mm -hmm. you know, it's all lined up, but they're just lacking that, that you know, that last bit of push to kind mm. of pursue it. What would you tell this person if they were sitting in front of you like I am now? I would ask them what's the worst that could happen. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, I definitely. mean, at the end of the day, there's two questions. Can things get worse? Mm -hmm. And can things get better? Mm -hmm. And is it, it going to kill you? And yeah, it's probably oh, totally. not, unless you're planning to, you know, do jump, jump, mm. jump out of a, jump out of an airplane. <laughs> yeah, with no don't parachute. do that, yeah. kids. Don't yeah, do don't that. Do yeah, that. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it's it's like, what's the point? What's yeah. your what's your point? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I I really I really find that it ultimately boils down to that. You know, yeah. can things get worse or can things get better? And um, 
is life going to be richer for it? Are you going to learn something? Mm. Um, yeah, super, super wise. And then why, why, you know, just kind of, I know I keep, <laughs> I, I keep wanting to close this off, but yeah. thoughts keep and questions keep popping up. You know, why do you have to go through politics to actually make a change? You know, you we're, we're, but yeah. we're blessed now. Like yeah. we're doing a podcast. Yeah. You know, we've got a platform of half a million mm -hmm. people that are hungry for this stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas now you have to go, you know, during through politics, you have to go through hoops. You have to yeah. convince this person. You have to get mm -hmm. the vote. You know, you're you've got you know you've started the podcast. Mm. You can guess you be guests on other people's podcasts. Mm. The internet, it's like it's mm. it's free essentially. Mm. The only thing is your time. Mm. Do you think you could get far more reach and greater reach and resonate with the psychographic which you are mm. intending to through that as opposed to doing it the other way? I mean, there's, it, it's the same thing that I was talking about before when kids go, I want to be in politics. I'm like, why do you want to be in politics? Mm. Um, it was just the case that I was in a situation where post-mayoralty, when I tried to give things a shake-up, post-mayoralty bid, when I tried to give things a shake-up and have people question what they were doing mm -hmm. and have them understand that, you know, the decisions that they made or neglected to be involved in mm -hmm. uh, and form the environment that we all lived in. Uh, I was presented with the opportunity to do this mm -hmm. uh, and I pursued it. Obviously, it wasn't just like, do you want to be a politician? I was like, I will see what can come of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and I invested a year of my life in the election campaign and somehow fell down the rabbit hole and ended up an MP. Uh, but I don't want to do this forever. I definitely don't want to do it forever. Mm -hmm. I hope not. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I see that there is value that I can add to the conversation by being somebody who's not super institutionalized. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope that I can open doors to more folks who haven't been born and bred to be politicians mm -hmm. to become politicians. Because mm -hmm. I think that there is far too much risk aversion mm -hmm. in the way that those decisions are made. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about it at the end of the day, you know, all of us as a society are participating in the social contract and the most common and obvious touch points of the social contract in modern society are things like taxation and laws. Uh, and, you know, if you think about uh, different ways that you can facilitate change in terms of two spheres, one of them is structural. Structural touch points are things like legislation, regulation, funding, taxation, subsidies, all that kind of stuff. The other side is cultural. Culture, by definition, is a shared set of values. It's about awareness and different touch points for that are uh, education, media, uh, community building, business, uh, localization, all of that kind of stuff. You can change things through all of those different means. Mm -hmm. And what I find fascinating about having been engaged in politics and like being in parliament now for about 18 odd months is that nowhere near enough politicians are willing to uh, meaningfully engage on the cultural side of things mm -hmm. uh, because that is where we create an environment that's conducive to changing the structure. Mm -hmm. uh, far too many of them are just comfortable with, you know, middling along mm -hmm. and never really changing anything and, you know, just maintaining a career. And I just, I kind of call bullshit on that. Mm -hmm. Like, again, what's the point? Mm, 100%. <laughs> so for me, um, politics is just a, a, a platform that I'm, you know, super privileged to have right now. And I'm going to do my best to um, change things in the way that I can and to learn and to uh, hopefully take on board some constructive critique. Mm. Yeah. And if you can conquer that playground, you can almost do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a funny one, man. I hope that um, just, you know, we, we all get to contribute in some way or another to, you know, the world that our kids end up inheriting. Mm. And um, yeah, I just hope that, 
you know, we create a world where kids get to grow up and see their potential. Mm, awesome. Any famous last words? <laughs> Just <laughs> we, we what probably, are we all we doing, probably mate? Haven't, said, Wait, probably haven't said enough words, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. We've um, got another uh, hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no. Um, awesome. Yeah, thank you. No, nah, thank good you. Good chat, man. Yeah, really good chat. Awesome to have you on your show. I think everyone's going to get a lot of value, so really appreciate it. I hope there's some kind of meaning and yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of that. It's a wrap. Sweet ass. Thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and found any type of value, please subscribe to our podcast, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review on iTunes to be in the draw to win a $200 I Love Ugly gift voucher. We will be drawing a winner weekly. Good luck and see you on the next episode.